You're listening to The Private Citizen, your weekly data privacy podcast. This is episode 36 for Wednesday, the 26th of August, 2020. The importance of whistleblowers. Hello, everybody. I'm Fab, coming to you from a home studio just off runway 33 of Hamburg International Airport. I'm back in Hamburg after a nice week of uh, motorbiking through Norway, yes, and I'm back and it's autumn. Um, went to Norway, had a lovely week, had, had very good weather most of the trip. Um, we had one real rain day and another one where it rained a bit and then got really wet on the way back. But now I'm here and it's like it's autumn. I mean, the, the air smells of autumn. It's, it's been raining for like four days. Uh, it's getting colder. Um, that's a bit disappointing. Summer's over. But uh, I'm relaxed. As you, you might be able to hear this in my voice. I've, I mean, I've been working already for, uh, for two full days. Pretty much 12 hours a day, but um, I'm still I'm 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 full of energy. Um, that whole trip was amazing. I mean, Norway is Norway is beautiful. Um, I had no idea. Uh, I never been to Norway, and it's it's such a lovely country. I mean, we've we've pretty much only seen the um, I mean, it's a huge country. We've only seen the southern part. Uh, we went up to a little bit north of well, basically uh, on the same. Um, Hide as as Lilyham, Lilyhammer, Lilyhammer. I'm saying Lilyhammer because of yeah, the the great uh, the TV show with Little Steve. <laughs> um, yeah, so we went that far north. I uh, didn't go to uh, Lilyhammer, but um, it's uh, lovely, like the fjords, everything, and it, it was so amazing uh, to ride around and to see the country change. It changes so much, and it's it's such it's so different. I mean, at, at parts it looked a lot like um, New Zealand. Um, there was a places where we rode through the, it looked like the Rocky mountains. It looked like, I mean, I've never been to Montana, but it looks like what Montana looks like. Um, if you look, watch like nature documentaries, um, parts of it were almost like the Alps, you know, the high, uh, those mountain valleys in the Alps, except here in, in Norway, they're at like 700 meters when the Alps, they're like above 2000 uh it, it it was lovely it was a pretty much so this was the fifth uh motorbike tour i've done with my dad we've done one uh, every year um for five years in a row now and i i've got to say it was my favorite one um it was my birthday present from my parents and it, it was lovely it was a lovely week it was really good um nothing nothing bad happened uh the Gucci is in in shape. Everything um, we had to. She lost some oil at some point, but it was all within within tolerances, I think. And um, it was great. It was just amazing. So yeah, uh, but uh, that's that's enough rambling for me about my holiday. I'm back, um, as as I've announced before. Uh, we had a week without the show, but you know, as as I, I did release two uh, in one week beforehand. So I hope you had enough content to tide you over. And now I'm back, and um, I'm back with this story that just just yesterday um, when I started. So I, I, we came back on on Sunday, um, and on Monday. Um, wait a second here. Got, got to get some coffee in me here. I've been working all day. Uh, and on Monday, um, my dad went down, back down from, so he, he stayed the night in Hamburg and went back down to Duisburg. Uh, and we, um, I, I just 
took the Tuesday to to recuperate. Usually, I, I use like I need like two or three days to recover from these tours. Like in the in the in the past, my body was like really shot. I'd really like my bones would hurt, my muscle would hurt, my my hands especially were really bad, and I didn't have any any of that. Um, I felt a bit tired uh on that day uh but it was mostly because i didn't sleep that much because we were getting up pretty early the last few days uh, well early for me uh and um i don't know if i didn't have any like tiredness this time i can only think it's because i've been running a lot and doing some muscle training and i'm getting in shape and i think that had just it has many favorable like you know i'm i'm not I used to be really cold when it gets cold. I don't have that anymore. I don't sweat as much when it gets hot. It's like, I just feel better. And, uh, that, that, that's probably, so I, I recovered completely in one day. Um, I, you know, I got to go running again because I've done that for a week and yeah, <laughs> gaining, gaining like weight <laughs> immediately. But, um, yeah, no, this was great. My dad was, uh, my dad's fine. Um, his, uh, all the health issues has been, have been cleared up. It's basically we just need a doctor to figure out what it is, and it's it's all good. Uh, the motorbike's fine, although it cost me pretty penny. <laughs> and I gotta say, the one thing about Norway is, man, the Norway is expensive. I mean, I knew known about like the alcohol and stuff, and you know, just like ten euros, fifteen euros for a beer, and you're like, what? <laughs> uh, but like everything else is really expensive as well. So I'm completely broke now. Um, so if you ever considered uh, supporting this podcast, now would be the time. <laughs> anyway, let's get let's get into uh, into topics here. So uh, so so anyway, I, I spent Tuesday recovering, and I had a tweet from Jonathan Mh, who's uh, been supporting this podcast since the very beginning. It's a friend of mine. Um, put a link to his website in the show notes. Um, the show notes are as usual uh, privatecitizen.press, but Jonathan's website is jonathanmh.com, and he happens to live in Denmark. And he made me aware of a story that's been breaking this week in Denmark, and I guess it's a big story there um, about the Danish Defense Intelligence Service and its head. Um, the 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 guy leading it got suspended be- because of some. Some scandal. We're going to talk about that, and it's got to do with whistleblowers. So it's it's intelligence. It's spying on people. So it's very relevant to this, you know, the privacy stuff we talk about in the show. But also, um, the whistleblower angle is, is is important to me, and I think it's a very important story to show, as the title of this episode says, why uh, whistleblowers are important. So. Um, yeah, um, Jonathan, thank you again for making me aware of this story. This is how it works, you know, producing the show. Uh, I I wasn't quite sure what I'm gonna what um, what I'm was gonna talk about this week, and I, I'm not up on or wasn't up on all the new. Or I'm still not on all the tech news that I've missed. I mean, not only a week I was gone, but basically before that one I was very busy. So this came at the perfect time. It was like, oh, this is great. This just happened. Um, it's it's very relevant. So. Um, so let's talk about that. Let's get into that. And without further ado, you know, uh, talk about the this, this scandal that's been going on. And as usual, uh, you know, private citizen press is where you can go to find all the show notes. As usual, I'll try to, if you haven't listened to the show before, um, I uh, show notes are very important to me. And I, um, I, I provide uh, copious show notes as, as, as much as I can. And, you know, most importantly, with all the links and everything. Um, so here's a link also to the press release in Danish, which I can't read. I mean, this is all Danish is um, is just 
I just my Danish is non-existent. I can't even pronounce anything. <laughs> like the um, if, if, some time ago, I was in Copenhagen uh, with friends, and I stayed in a uh, in a suburb of Copenhagen, which I thought, looking at it, being German, looking at the words, was pronounced Hvidovre or Hvidovre or something like this. And um, I, I don't know. I still don't know. It's it's, it's basically pronounced who. It's, that's pretty much you know Mike, who's uh, been on the show before, who uh, has Danish roots, will be laughing at this. But that's basically. I thought it was heavy Dovre, and then people were like, "No, it's pronounced cool." I mean, it's worse than Klingon, and you know this. So people who speak Danish, uh, probably Jonathan, um, who lives in Denmark, and Mike is also. Uh, frequent supporter on the show and has been on the show I've, I've done an episode with him we'll we'll laugh their ass off throughout this whole episode i'm guessing um so this uh, intelligence service we're talking about um is called uh force force after redning things yes 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 but because it's danish and because they don't pronounce any of the actual letters it's probably force or something like that. I don't know. I can barely say Rogel mit Flull. Or uh, what's the other one? What's the one I just learned? I, so we passed through Denmark on the way to Norway. Uh, we, we we rode through all of Denmark to the very top, to Hirtshals, and then took the ferry uh, over to Norway. And um, on the way back, I had to stop because, I, you know, we were... Uh, plants and corona and the ferries the ferries were broken and stuff like that so we had to actually stay in denmark and with that i went to a fast food place because that's what the danish i known for i do very well and i had some uh what was it pulse mix pulse mix that was good uh pulse is uh uh, Wurst, as we say in Germany, uh, sausage. Yeah, so the first valets afternings just we just call them fe um or the Danish Defense Intelligence Service. As far as I know, I know nothing about... Previously to this story, I hadn't concerned myself with Danish intelligence services at all and done nothing about them. Uh, but I think they're, you know, they're pretty much a military intelligence arm. So usually in most countries, um, they have an internal uh, intelligence service. So in England, uh, that would be the MI5 uh, security service, whose job it is to spy on everything, people in the country. Uh, then you have a foreign intelligence service who spies on everybody else, but generally not on the people in the country. Uh, in the uh, uh, in the UK, that would be MI6 or the Secret Intelligence Service. That's what uh, James Bond works for. And, you know, n- these days there's also often a signal intelligence service. So in the, uh, uh, in the UK, that would be GCHQ, uh, which does, you know, this internet stuff and cyber mostly. And then you have often you have a military intelligence. I don't even know what that what that is in the UK. I'm just, I'm just coming up with these examples. I guess this is MI MI five MI six used to stand for military intelligence. That was like in World War One and two. Uh, I'm just looking this up. And it's UK. I'm just looking up what they're called because I hadn't that. So British intelligence agencies. So they have the security service, okay. Foreign intelligence, secret intelligence service. Um, I guess the uh, I guess the UK doesn't have one. I guess they split that. So in Germany, so in, in Germany, it's the BND. It's the, that's the uh, Bundesnachrichtendienst, as foreign foreign intelligence service. We have uh, the Verfassungsschutz, which is the 
Uh, it's yeah it's a bit like the fbi it's like it's it's more style like a police agency but i guess you know they are intelligence service they do like the internal stuff internal spying um um and then in germany you have the mat the mad the militärische abschirmdienst that's the bundeswehr that's you know the 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 uh, uh military's uh, intelligence service. so fe as i'm gonna call them for phosphorus uh they are the military intelligence service in denmark and there is a this is this, this is why danish is amazing this gets even better there's an independent regulator for this intelligence agency which is called uh tilsinet met Efterreinigungsnesterterne. tilsinet Tilsinet met Efterretningsgesterne. I'm just calling, going to call them the TET. Um, you know, if you private citizens are press, it's all spelled out in there. If you your Danish is better, but they um, so they're like the independent oversight body, and they announced this week uh, in a press release. Links in the show notes as usual um, that they are suspending the uh, head of the FE, who is called uh, Lars Finzen, and two other senior officials of the service who are not named. Um, and apparently af- this comes after a whistleblower um, had reported uh, some wrong doings at this intelligence service, and it's been likened uh, among publications uh, you know among some of them the register in the uk was, was saying this it's been like a bit too like the snowden revelations in the us um so let's read a bit from this um register story so we get an overview denmark's top foreign intelligence chief uh, chief has been suspended for spying on Danes. so there he's the head of i don't know what for some reason that intelligence service the most important one in denmark usually in in most other countries it's not you know usually they only concern themselves military intelligence only concerns themselves with the military stuff and the civilian intelligence services are the bigger ones anyway denmark's top foreign intelligence chief has been suspended for spying on danish citizens illegally for up to six years after whistleblower released a trove of documents to government regulators in a press release yesterday the independent regulator of the danish security service tilsinet met efterreningsisterne or tt said it had received information from a whistleblower in november that we revealed the country's foreign intelligence service had quote uh, quote had withheld key and crucial information end quote and given quote incorrect information on matters relating to the collection of the service and disclosure of information end quote the danish governments and uh, governments announced that head of the forst valets f derretningsjestne fe service lars finsen as well as two senior officials had that focused on military intelligence and who were not named had been quote relieved of duty for the time being end quote time being that's interesting uh, the tt states that the fe service has carried out quote operational activities in violation of danish law including obtaining and passing on a significant amount of information about danish citizens a passing on a significant amount end quote it also notes that quote central parts of fe's acquisition capability capacities end quote contain quote risks that unjustifiably can be obtained against danish citizens end quote suggesting some kind of mass surveillance capability or illegal data gathering it also noted that f quote fe's management has failed to follow up on further invest uh, follow up 
on or further investigate indications of espionage within the area of the Ministry of Defense, end quote. So, obviously, I'm not a specialist of Danish law. I uh, do have some Danish friends, so, you know, uh, including the ones already mentioned. So, if anybody has any feedback on any of this, as usual, please, uh, you know, go to the show notes. Links are there. Uh, please tell me. Um, but just from general knowledge of intelligence services and, you know, privacy matters. Um, usually, um, usually there are provisions for these intelligence services, uh, especially for, for all of them who do not concern domestic intelligence, you know, the one that are, you know, um, whose purview it is to spy on other countries, basically. Usually these are forbidden by law from, collecting data on the citizens in the country so in germany for example the bnd um, is not allowed to collect data on just ordinary german citizens um, there might be if you know terrorism is involved or you know if uh, germans are involved in outside you know let's say you know it's a russian plot against the government or whatever and germans are involved they might be able to do it then but generally they're not allowed to collect especially not mass data collection um and we know from snowden that these i mean in the u.s is the same thing and we know from snowden that these intelligence services get around uh with around this limitation with the trick so in case of the u.s and germany because the bnd wasn't wasn't allowed to spy on germans and the CIA wasn't allowed to spy on Americans, you know, you know, because that's the FBI's job and the Verfassungsschutz's job. Um, they would just, hand, you know, exchange information. So if the CIA had information on local German stuff, they would give that to the BND, and the BND would give information on Americans in America that they had to the CIA. And there's this swapping of intelligence going on. Um, which basically is some kind of weird way. Um, it basically violates the spirit of the law, right? It, it probably, I don't know. Intelligence services always hard. They often don't, you know, comply with rules and laws. But um, it 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 seems like you know it 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 might be right by the you know it might be okay to do that by the letter of the law, but it certainly violates the spirit of the law. And it does sound to me a bit like this is what happened in this case. Um, certainly, they probably spied on Danish citizens without being allowed to because, you know, military intelligence and their, their job is to defend those citizens. Um, and it sounds like there was some mass surveillance capacity which they weren't, weren't allowed to use. Or maybe they were using, you know, stuff from other countries. You know, maybe the Germans were spy spying on Danish and they were handing over information. We don't know, and that that's the part about the story that is a bit um, unsatisfactory because we will not know. And I'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about the whistleblower. But um, I'll, I'll keep an eye on the story definitely because you know this is just developing. It's a big scandal and Dan scandal in Denmark. There will be more stuff to come out of this. Um, also, if you've, you know, going further, you know, in a few weeks or a month or whatever, if you find local stuff in Danish or whatever, if you find more on this, please send it to me. I'm I'm happy to, you know, continue to cover this story. Uh, for now, we don't know that much. So it's that's only I can go. It's the only stuff I can go by. I didn't want to wait longer, though, because I find this an interesting topic and it just came perfectly for me doing this episode. So 
let's look at what we had. So it have so it looks like um so it looks like this TET, so the oversight body, um actually before the whistleblower had gotten wind of some illegal activity. And it looks like they asked um the FE about this. And the FE actually uh, lied. So Finson and uh, his his service, they actually brazenly just denied this was happening. And then you had a whistleblower, and then you know TT actually got some documents, pr- presumably proved that it was happening. And this is why this is a big scandal. So the register says on this, faced with requests for information on the illegal activity, it appears that the FE and Finson decided to brazen it out and claim they had no relevant documents. But then, quote, one or more, end quote, whistleblowers provided the oversight body with some kind of proof of what was going on. And it looks like because of this, the TAT has decided, you know, there's always these oversight bodies. Uh, Germany has them as well. Uh, Germany has a parliamentary oversight body of over the security services. And, you know, it's always a debate how effect, effective they are. Usually they're not very effective, um, either because they just don't get the information and the services lie to them, like in this case, or because, you know, it's special to be in that body and you get special information and you get vetted and all this kind of stuff. And, I guess people start to feel beholden and they feel special because they get this information and then they kind of sympathize with the intelligence agencies, which is not a good um, good standpoint to be in if you're if you're in an oversight body. It's kind of like um, we talked about this in the past when I talked about journalism. It's kind of like journalists shouldn't be too close with whoever, whatever they're reporting on, company or organization or whatever, because. I mean, I talked about this, uh, especially in in connection with the police and police investigations. If you get too close to the people doing it, I mean, your job as a journalist or as somebody in an oversight body is to like criticize, right? You 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 have to see stuff critically, and if you get too close, you get too attached, then that you can't do that effectively. Um, so continuing here, uh, the TET clearly decided. Its authority and ability to oversee the intelligence services was was at stake, and notes that it thought and re- sought and received repeat support from the defense minister in its investigation. The final report was delivered to Defense Minister Trina Bramson on Friday. The TT notes and stretched to four volumes with conclusions and recommendations. In its report, TT asks for the law that provides it with its oversight powers. Uh, asks for the law that provides it provides it with its oversight powers be reviewed and revised, presumably to make it harder for the intelligence agencies to hi- agencies to hide such information in future. And it argues for an expanded and strengthened whistleblower scheme. Quote, such a scheme should aim to improve the ability of current and former FE employees to comment on criticizable matters in the authority without fear of negative retaliation, including employment or criminal law consequences, end quote, it argued. It wants the ability for whistleblowers to be able to share classified information and additional resources to be given to such a scheme to make sure it's viable. Of course, uh, as I said bef- you know, pre- you know, earlier here, uh, we don't know what happened. Um, so the story basically concludes with uh, despite the enormity of the claims, 
that the intelligence service illegally spied on Danish citizens, then passed the information on to others. So this sounds like one of these data, ex, you know, information exchange schemes I was talking about. Um, then passed the information on to others and then lied about it to an independent oversight board. The TET warns that due to the, quote, extremely sensitive, end quote, nature of the information, the public may never learn exactly what happened. Despite arguing that it, quote, is it is essential that the public gets a complete and gets uh, as complete an insight into this at as at all possible, end quote. It then immediately notes that given the, quote, classified content thereof, the authority may not provide further information to the public, end quote. Yeah. So they're not going to tell us what happened because, you know, it can, it's a, I mean, it's a, that's, you know, it, it, it include some information presumably on the capability they used to spy on this you know stuff that snowden revealed for the us that because they're an official you know they're an independent but government body um they don't want that information to get out which um for us as interested citizens and you know me as a journalist is uh, it's very disappointing <laughs> So what what are the the uh, reactions to this in Denmark? So it sounds like this is actually quite a scandal. It sounds like it's um, actually sh- shattered the trust many citizens uh, of Denmark had into their um, intelligence services and the oversight and all that. So the, B- the BBC um, makes it sound like it's not only a matter of the intelligence services, but that there will be like further repercussions in the Danish government, you know, maybe in the public. So they say, um, Kasper Wester from Danish news site OLFI told the BBC, the the supervisory agency suggests that Lars Finsen has played an active part in withholding information or even deliberately misinforming the supervisory agency. The fact, so I'm, you know, I've been, I've been in Norway. I can't talk. Sorry, I've, yeah, I've, I've just realized I can't read anymore because probably I've I've been I've been I've been in Norway. That that must be the reason. Torgandersen from Norway. <laughs> uh, the fact that the head of the Danish military intelligence service is a willing participant in circumventing the agency task with holding his own intelligence service legally accountable is mind-blowing and must be deeply concerning to the minister. So this suggests that, you know, this, 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 there's lots of surprise about this. I would, yeah, I, you know, probably in the public, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I've been interested in intelligence services since I saw my first James Bond movie when I was a kid. Um, so, you know, I mean, they're spies, right? Their job is to find out stuff that they shouldn't find out and then, you know, don't tell anybody about it. And you know, hide stuff and lie. That's the, literally their job. So they will lie. So I'm not surprised they will lie to their own oversight body. Um, I mean, they're spies. What did you expect? That they have honor? <laughs> you know, the the whole honorable spy thing. It's. Just, I mean, it's a joke. I mean, it's not even. You know, they don't even pretend in the Bond movies that spies are honorable. And come on. Um, and, you know, according to some other stories I found, this is also not the first uh, scandal that happened in the Danish military. So apparently uh, 
recently uh, some high profile officers were accused of favoring relatives. So I guess this is all just getting together, coming together. Um, I found some uh, an analysis on the local here on the Danish version um, that seems to suggest also this is not the first time that the FE has been doing this, spying on Danish citizens. So they say FE's primary tasks are foreign intelligence, military security, and national IT security. So I guess they're also the foreign intelligence service. Um, they are uh, not the same organization as PET. Politiz Efteringsnings Jenesne one of their it's like you know one of their approaches and strategies is just having a name that nobody can pronounce so you can't really talk about them because you can't it's like the Chinese intelligence service where you don't know even what it's called <laughs> it's like that that's like their their defense you know you can't do anything because you can't pronounce a name um, so they're not the same organization as PT politics after I think politics like po police uh, which is responsible for domestic intelligence and security in Denmark. Before TET was established in 2014, which so you can see it's like a new, new the oversight body is relatively new, FE launched operational activities that were in breach of Danish law, including obtaining and passing on a, passing on a significant amount of information about Danish citizens. It also accuses FE of improper management of information regarding an employee of TET, quote, improper uh, management of an uh, employee of TET, end quote, which has been interpreted as an accusation of FE espionage against TET. So apparently they were already doing th things before 2014. And it feels like that's, it sounds like, I don't know anything about this, obviously, but it sounds like that's why the this oversight body TET was founded. And then it turns out they've actually, since then, they've, 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 maybe continue doing it. I guess that's what the whistleblower found out. Now, interestingly, um, improper management of information regarding an employee of TED sounds like they've been, to me, that sounds like the uh, FE has tried to uh, put pressure on, on the TED employees, I guess, to find out who the whistleblower is, um, as they would see it, the mole, uh, which is kind of also their job, you know, trying to defend against this kind of stuff and find out who the who the leak is. Um, yeah, so that is, that is not, that's not good. And uh, as, as the locals suggest, the Danish uh, don't seem to be amused about all of this. Um, quoting here from the story, the developer, developing scandal has already been called, quote, highly unusual, end quote, by commentators in Denmark. Quote, FE has been left somewhat groggy by this. It has lost its top manager and two other senior staff. This has the shape and form of something that can be a very big scandal, end quote. End quote. Trine Maria Ilche, Ilche uh, who is a legal correspondent for uh, DR, which is Danish broadcaster, said on Monday, the strength of the watchdog's criticism of one of Denmark's intelligence services sets Monday's developments out from past cases, she says. Quote, it's highly unusual. We know that FE has received criticism in, criticism in previous reports, but it has always looked like something that could be worked on. But this time, the watchdog is of a different opinion. They are virtually accusing them of lying, end quote, she added. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. This looks like... 
probably has repercussions for the whole service. Um, it sounds like the um, the defense minister who is started an investigation has the backing of the government, and you know she's also backing this oversight body TET. Um, so it's, it sounds like they're putting this. So that's Defense Minister Trina Bramson. So they're putting. Um, sounds like they're putting the screws to the to these guys um, to the FE. Um, so I'd, I'd be very interested in how this whole develops. I mean, we really, really don't know what happened. And um, if if any more information uh, surfaces on this, please let me know. Uh, Private Citizen Press link in the footer. And also in the show notes, uh, under the heading producer feedback, there's a link there. You basically go to fab.industries slash contact, which is my blog. And there's a contact page on there. Um, so yeah, so that, that's it for that story. Um, I'll, I'll keep an eye on, on, on further developments, but something I wanted to discuss in, as part of this whole thing is just the importance of whistleblowers uh, for for the public, uh, for us. Um, as you're listening to this, you know, you're, you're the, you know, what I would like to call the informed public. You're, you're people who want, to, who want to know about these things. You just don't want to just blindly go about your lives. You, you know, you want to know about um, privacy and issues and, and politics and stuff like that. Um, I guess, you know, I, I would guess this is why I listen to the show. And for us, and of course me as a journalist, um, but I mean the public at large, whistleblowers are really important. Um, just think about Snowden and what we know um, about the intelligence services and what that the huge benefit that gives us, right? We we I mean we don't have up to the minute information. We don't know what what kind of problems they've had since then, but we kind of know the shape of what they were doing. And even for, you know, so, so we can defend against it or try to defend against it or think about it. And even for somebody like me who, when, when, when the Snowden story broke, I didn't really get it because I was like, we know all this, right? We, we know all, we know they were doing all of this, but I didn't. So I was, it has different, I, I mean, I've learned something. I've, I've grown, I think, as a person since, since then, because there, there are two aspects of why I didn't get it. One was just, I was in a very different, a difficult situation in my life just when Snowden broke, uh, I'd been just laid off in London and had to look, you know, about, I don't know, find another job moving back to Germany so that I just was completely, I had other problems at that point. But even afterwards, when, you know, I, I, I was working again and I was, I was looking at it and we were reporting on Snowden, I didn't really get it because I was like, we know all of this. We know all of this. We, we've suspected all of this all along. But what I didn't understand is that there's a very big difference between like nerds suspecting something and being sure that it is true because basically it is true because you know um you know because i mean there have been whistleblowers before and you know all this is happening but you just can't prove it right and then proof coming out and this actually hitting the public and the public realizing this is happening that's one aspect but also um just being able to prove it is very important i mean it's it was it's not important um like for me as a person, it wasn't important because I knew that this all was happening, but it's important if you want to relay this information to other people, like, you know, if you're writing about it or like I'm doing here in a podcast, um, this proof is important because otherwise you'll just be called a conspiracy theorist and, you know, you can be negated. But if you have something like Snowden and this stuff happening, you can go, look, 
here have a look at the data look look at this these sources and you know think about it and build your own picture build your own understanding of it and so and that is that i mean with this is why whistleblowers are hugely important um, they're important for journalists to do their job and they're just important for the public to know what's going on. Because in fields like this, especially intelligence services, there's no other way you won't know, right? Here in this case, we have this information now at a government watchdog and there are, you know, the government, they're elected by the people to do their job for the people. And these guys are saying, we can't tell you um, because it's not in your best interest. And I mean... They will stay probably in the job because most of the, the the public thinks that's actually true. Um I happen to I don't I don't think that. Um but you know, I'm not and you're probably all, all, all listening to the show are not in the majority. Um so you know I, I'd actually um seriously consider uh, just you know abolishing or reform I don't really think you can abolish them but like reforming intelligence services and reforming the way they're working within a modern democracy because it was different when you know um it was the cold war and they were spying on you know you know they had to go- jump through a lot of hoops to listen to people's phone calls and read their mail they could do that and they did do it but you know they couldn't do it to everybody and with the internet basically we've learned from snowden that you know it's mass surveillance they can do this they can basically spy on everybody at the same time effectively and i i feel like that's uh to use an overused term a paradigm shift that the you know the laws and the our understanding and our de- democratic process needs to adapt to when it hasn't um so this is why whistleblowers are important. But there's also another uh, aspect to the story, uh, which I find fascinating. This goes more into, into inside baseball, but, you know, people have said they like that. So um, inside baseball, as, as far as journalism is concerned and as far as this stuff is concerned, because this shows the difference. So there's basically three types of disclosure uh, you can do as a whistleblower. There's the Snowden version where you have information, and you, uh, you you look for a trusted partner in the press and you release it to them and you entrust it to them and you let, let them disseminate it to the public. Um, then there is the version that we've done here that often the government uh, is is a proponent of with it, which which is disclosing it to the you know I like to quote to put it in air quotes, the, the proper authorities go through channels, right? Like, like this guy is done in Denmark. So, um, he, he or she didn't go to the press. Um, they went to the oversight body. Um, and s- similar stuff like the whistleblowers did in, you know, that, uh, you know, the Trump case with the phone call where, you know, they went to a, to the, basically the, the, um, the parliamentary oversight body you can you know you can do that there are channels the channels in germany for this kind of thing wherever you are there are these channels and then there's also the third way which is i guess the uh, julian assange uh, assange's preferred way this is the wikileaks style um way where you just but yeah not completely without filters but basically you're you're just putting information out there and you know they're they're proponents 
or they, you know, not even proponents. They're they they're arguments for and against all of these. Uh, the WikiLeaks style thing can be really dangerous. I mean, you can put people's, you know, government officials' uh, lives at stake um, because you know, as a, as a whistleblower, you're most often not in the best situation to vet the information. So it's useful for somebody to actually, you know, look over it and say, okay, we probably shouldn't be releasing this because this is not important for the public. Um, but it could endanger people or it could endanger stuff. So that's an argument for, you know, releasing to the press, releasing to professionals who do this stuff, who look at information, journalists, and then decide, you know, that's what journalists do, right? That's what I do when I write a story about um, a hacker attack, right? I gotta, I gotta think about what am I going to put into the story? Like what's, um, you have to weigh, right? You have to weigh the interest in the public and what the public actually needs to know. Like, needs to know sounds bad, but like, what's important for the public to know? Like, that's your job as a journalist. It's one of the most important jobs as a journalist and as an editor to weigh that. Um, to weigh that against, let's say you, you, you're uh, talking about a, you know, a current case and, you know, there's the police is investigating. You might hurt that investigation. Um, and that's a valid thing. Or you might, you know, if it's about criminals, you might, you might, um, uh, hurt their, like their rights, right? They have, they have personal rights, right? They have even a criminal. I mean, this is different from country to country, especially very different, for example, in the UK and in Germany, but you know, um, in Germany, for example, we believe pretty strongly that in uh, rehabilitation and the a criminal's right to privacy and, you know, um, not publishing their last name, for example, right? Not because the public doesn't need to know. You do not need to know. It doesn't help you if you know the guy's your neighbor. I mean, if he's a neighbor, you probably know as well. But you know, it does. You don't need to know that. Um, in in the overwhelming amount of you know number of cases, um, and that's something you you need to weigh. And that's an argument for that. The argument against disclosing to the press is that sometimes the press does a bad job. And sometimes they weigh this badly. Uh, and sometimes they get too enamored with the government, you know, and the, the government processes and, the, for example, the intelligence services. And they might be too friendly with them or might be too friendly with the police. Um, or, yeah, or they might simply be just bad at their job. And that's always the, the Assange's argument, you know, that, that the press is basically outdated and modern journalism is just data journalism and releasing all of the data. Um, I am, <laughs> obviously, I'm a, I'm a journalist, so, you know, clearly I'm biased. But, like, I am, I'm, I'm in the middle here. Um, I think generally releasing it to the press obviously is 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 good. Uh, is is the, probably the best way to go. I don't like the way of going to the proper authorities because it results in what we see in this story, um, where you don't get any of the actual information. And the, I I personally think the public needs to know this. I mean, I mean Snowden uh, is a good example that you know the, the public needs to know. The Danish public has a right to know how they were spied on exactly with what methods. I I believe. Um, and you know if that endangers the the capabilities of the uh, intelligence services in Denmark, so be it. Um, they should have thought about that before doing something illegal. That you know that's that's my 
my stance. Of course, you can have a different opinion and you, you know, feel free to voice it and to write in and give me feedback on this. But um, um, sometimes I'm also for the WikiLeaks um, approach because I've seen stuff where I was just because also because I'm a journalist, because, you know, if somebody, if some whistleblower releases some information and it goes to like some investigative um, uh, body like at Der Spiegel or whatever, right, then they write about it. And, and I can't, I can only, you know, I can't look at the information. I can only like use what they've published then. But maybe sometimes it just goes to the wrong people. It just goes to the wrong journalists. Sometimes the journalists who are looking at that stuff don't know enough, especially if like it's a technical topic, they might not know enough about it. Like the first, some of the first early Snowden stories were, were terrible. Because, the, you know, from a technical standpoint, because the people at the Guardian, Spiegel, and people who wrote about this, they didn't know. They didn't have the experience. They weren't InfoSec people. Um, some of the best writing, um, actually, you know, that taught us what was actually going on came afterwards. Um, you know, and came when, when some specialist journalists actually looked at Snowden's information. And I mean, there's a there's a middle way that you know you could you could um it, you know i guess in the perfect world you'd give it to some journalists who would do the initial vetting and who would uh you know just see okay we can't release this because this would endanger somebody um maybe you also take out information in there that would endanger the source the whistleblower itself in case not like snowden but in case they want to stay um anonymous maybe um but then releasing that to something like WikiLeaks, where, you know, no, wouldn't be WikiLeaks, but it would be like, I don't know, press leaks or something, you know, it would be like the, the raw information so that all journalists can look at it. And in the interest of public, you know, you guys listen to the show um, could look at it. I think that would be the the middle the, the best way but obviously that's not going to happen because journalists i mean they live for exclusivity right <laughs> you're a journalist you want to be your st story to be ex exclusive because you know if it's everywhere like chances are that they read your story you know people read your stories relatively small and of course i also understand that as a journalist <laughs> believe me i do um but yeah i think what it shows is that this while this is within the legal framework and with all this stuff, this oversight body wants, you know, these oversight bodies want to have whistleblower protection and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it also depends on your goal as a whistleblower, but I think this this is not the way to go. Not for the public, right? Not for the best interest of the public. Might be in the best interest of the state, but I don't care about that. Um, as far as I, I am concerned, the state is there to serve the public not the other way around. Um, you know, the, the, the state is a, is a construct that we built as, as members of a democracy. Um, we built this social construct that should help us. And, you know, sometimes it should not help us, but, you know, help everybody. It's, it's, you know, it's goal generally to help everybody. So sometimes it might do something that, um, will go against your personal, uh, interests, but it will generally be better for all of society. Um, but I think this doesn't help anybody. I don't think, um, you know, it doesn't help society at large. I think the interests of, you know, let's say in, in Denmark now, the Danish people that have been spied on and the interest, the interests of national security, if you weigh them against each other, I'm pretty sure that, you know, 
the people have a right to know what has happened um, and as, as technically as possible because I mean we know we know that the security service has a pension of, of lying to its own you know to, to its people to the, to its government to the the, the, the people who um, put faith in that government and so basically they they are lying you know they are employed by the people and they, they are spying on those on the people they are employed by and they are lying to them so we know that they're not trustworthy in this regard and we can't like you know the oversight's clearly not working so we need kind of like oversight by the people right we need we need to exactly know what they did you know what systems they use and how they used it so they can't do it again or we can defend ourselves against that as best we can um I mean, chances are, I don't know why these government bodies are always like, oh no, we can't get the information out. Because chances are, yes, they have a temporary setback, but they'll, they'll bounce back. It's not like the NSA hasn't been able to spy on anybody anymore since Snowden or the CIA, right? They, I mean, they've got they've got new systems in place by now. Um, so, so yeah. Um, having said all that. <laughs> In case you uh, want to become a whistleblower um, and you want to give me some information, I do have a way of doing this. I have a um, whistleblower contact form, but you should, there's a link in the show notes, privatecitizen.press, but you should, so this is uh, privatecitizen.press slash episode slash 36 in this case, uh, but you shouldn't just willy-nilly use it. I also wrote a blog post when I um, created this and um, there's a link um in the show notes, all of this goes to my site, fab.industries, um, because, you know, it's not only for the podcast. I mean, you know, you don't, if, 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 if you ever had some information, you want to send that to me. Um, it doesn't have to be privacy related. It doesn't have to be for the podcast. I will, I will write about it and I'll, I'll try to get it placed, uh, you know, and with the biggest impact I can, because that's, I'm a journalist. That's <laughs> my interest and probably, you know, hopefully your interest as a whistleblower as well, which is why you want to release information. Um, but if you want to do that, you know, read that blog post, there's some information in there. Generally, uh, there's some stuff to um, consider, uh, you know, way do you, you do this. Some whistleblowers or many whistleblowers have to make some mistakes. Um, for example, they, they will... You know, they're working somewhere and they want to leak some information from their workplace and they use their workplace computers to access like sites like my whistleblower contact form. And then people will be able, you know, their IT department and, you know, they, they have logs and they will be able to backtrack who did it. Um, sometimes it's even, you know, there was this one case uh, with with this whistleblower which got outed. Um, they they leaked information to the press, but uh, they had basically copied some uh, documents, and they they didn't know that. And the journalists who were reporting on this, um, in this case, uh, the Intercept, which you'd think you know Greenwald and and his friends, so the guys who actually did the Snowden stuff originally, um, you'd think you'd think they know what they were doing, but even though everybody can make a mistake, so they altered this. Um, a whistleblower reality winner by they didn't know that the cop photocopier that that was used to copy this uh these documents put like micro dots on the pages and so the journalists you know they did something honorable they they wanted to um link the actual you know something i've said that 
you should do, you know, uh, provide the sources. But um, they just put some PDFs up of scans of these copied pages. And what they didn't know, didn't realize that is that the micro dots were still in there. And that, you know, people at, I think this was an NSA um, leak, they could actually download that those documents, find those micro dots, which enabled them to figure out who had printed the documents. So there's, there's all this kind of stuff you, you, you want to consider. You know, if you really want to be a whistleblower and you want to be anonymous, it is hard work. Um, I mean, it is very important work and the public will generally hopefully thank you for it. But, you know, you, I think um, as a whistleblower, your most important concern should be not to put yourself in danger. And there are some precautions you need to take. So, you know, read that blog post. So I'm saying and, and read up on stuff and don't do it like from your work computer, right? <laughs> like how to become a secure whistleblower. Um, yeah. You want to do that from a network you control, or maybe a public network and preferably over tour. <laughs> um, yeah. But you can send me um, anonymous information. It, it's end-to-end encrypted if you, ever feel like you want to do that and um, I've, I've talked a lot on the show about um, how important I think pr- protection of sources is and this goes doubly for whistleblowers who put themselves in, in danger maybe even in physical danger um, when they when they do stuff like this yeah and that's also an, a point where you, you want to think about where, where you um, release it to like can you trust the journalists so can you trust the government oversight body i personally i would be you know as a private citizen i would be much more inclined to trust journalists than a government oversight body because you know they're from the same government that's running the you know in this case intelligence service you are uh, blowing the whistle on (laughs) But you might also just want to contact me, uh, not anonymously, just generally, and give me some feedback on this. Maybe you're in Denmark, maybe you have, you have some insight, you have some thoughts. Um, please become producer, help out, um, and send me your information. There's a link under producer feedback uh, in the show notes. And uh, we do have some producer feedback. Uh, so Fadi Mansour, who writes me quite often, which I appreciate, um, said... Um, I got your message apologizing for delaying an episode. I put that on uh, for the people who, um, on Patreon, for the people who support the show regularly. Um, sometimes I've sent them some, you know, I have some, some uh, exclusive posts. As, you know, in this case, I was, exp- I was exp- um, apologizing to them, especially because I had not released an episode on Wednesday. I thought I'd had, you know, some episodes back. I had to release it on Thursday. And I, I feel bad because they're supporting the show. And I, I promised him something and I want to stick to that. So I apologize. Anyway, uh, Fadi says, I got your message apologizing for delaying an episode. Thank you on your commitment. But for me personally, I hope you're doing the shows because you are enjoying them and not as a quote obligation. Um, Fadi, I would like to um, assure you that I, I do this because I enjoy it <laughs> very much. Um, the obligation part is something I've set for myself. I'm basically, I'm punishing myself. Um, so the they're releasing a show each Wednesday is just a thing I need to do because I realize if I can just skip stuff, I will skip it and skip it and skip it. And then at some point the show won't exist anymore. Um, this has been a, um, a problem in the past with podcasts I've done with other people that has only worked if, 
you know, these other people have been driving me. Uh, so if we said we do an episode every week, right, these other people had to, you know, my co-host had to be driving me or every two weeks or whatever it was, you know, putting pressure on me in those weeks where I was like, ah, oh, I really, I've got too much work or something, you know, some excuse. You'd have to have somebody else who goes, no, we, we promised this, we need to do this. And that that has been a problem because usually I, I'd been the driving force for most of the run of the podcast. And then whenever I falter, the show falters. And um, to, because now I'm doing the show on my own, um, you know, which is one of the reasons because, you know, I can, I can just move it around in my planning where where I you know I don't have to depend on somebody else I can just record it when I just have time which is great for me um but because it's just me I needed to kind of like have a virtual co-host or something I would just wanted to you know have this commitment and that's why I have it um so yes it's a bit of an obligation but on the whole I do it because I enjoy it a lot <laughs> and sometimes it's also a chore I mean that's that's what it is um that's that's what podcasting is. I do it because I enjoy it. I've been doing it for over 13 years now because I enjoy it, but sometimes it's hard work. Um, and this is also why, you know, I call on people and to support me and people like Fadi do that, which compensates me for those moments um, when it's when it's hard work. <laughs> um, Fadi also wrote me uh, some... So the, the email he wrote to me was a bit longer and he wrote about... Um, child abuse and investigation of child abuse he had listened to a podcast episode which he recommended and basically child abuse and the the, the constant um conflict um investigating the stuff has with people's privacy and um i didn't want to talk about this here because it sounded interesting and i want to listen to this podcast uh podcast episode he recommended and then i might do my own podcast episode on it because i feel it's definitely a topic worth at least an episode. So, uh, yeah, um, I just wanted to say that and give Fadi credit. And it might it might be a topic on a uh, future episode. I also had a message from Steve, uh, which I'm going to read out. It's a bit longer, but uh, Steve said, um, I just finished listening to your breakdown of socialism, communism, and social democracy. I've not studied political science at all, and found your discussion on it to be clear and informative. I thoroughly enjoyed the breakdown on this. I too used to be more central on the political spectrum in my younger days, but I found myself moving further to the right with age, I think. The reason uh, that I am not sure if I'm moving my political alignment is that I feel it might be the spectrum shifting in respect to my alignment. In Canada, we have three major parties. New, New New Democrat Party left, Liberal Party center, and Conservative Party right. At least those were the parties in their alignments in years past. These days, it feels like the Conservative Party has slid slightly towards the middle, and the Liberal Party has slid all the way over to the left. The Liberal Party is currently in power, although as a minority, but has the full backing of the New Democrat Party, so they essentially function as one. But it could just be old age catching up to me. Thanks for your continued great work. And here's hoping for a smooth bike ride to Norway. Thank you. And uh, that smooth bike ride worked out beautifully, um, as I said in the beginning of the show. Um, yes, uh, several comments. Um, yeah, I do. You know, I I was much more left when I was younger. And I've, I, I won't call it, yeah, right in, in, in right 
wing politics in Germany has a very, very, uh, it's a very negative connotation. I would call it conservative. Um, I have, I became more and more conservative with age and it's something you hear people say a lot that, you know, people start out, I mean, it's not true for everybody, of course, but like people start out more left and then they, they become more conservative when they get older. And there's a saying that this is because, you know, when you're young, you're idealistic and then you actually uh, get some life experience and you realize things aren't as easy and um, you become more grounded and whatever. I, I don't know if that's true um, because, um, I mean, I, I've I've always been idealistic in some ways and that hasn't changed. Um I'm I'm very idealistic in a way that I think that um there's certain 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 things that the state should strive for and certain freedoms that people should have that are inalienable which hasn't changed right um and I feel like it's a bit it's also been the spectrum shifting I agree with you Steve because I so for example um as you can tell by this podcast it's been personal freedom has to be very has always been important to me and just recently you know with things i've discussed with mike for example i've realized that this has been a driving force in my life um, which i didn't realize when i was younger but it was still a driving force right so i was left but i had i always thought personal freedom was very important and when i was younger um that was a traditional stance of the left you know, um, demonstrating, um, fighting for your right for certain things, fighting for people's rights. Um, you know, I mean, simple things as like gay rights, you know, trans rights, stuff like that. Um, those are personal freedom issues, personal freedom rights. Um, you know, my, my parents brought me up with, you know, feminist ideas, you know, the, the, the right of, of everybody to decide what to do with their body. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very stringent, um, defender of, of women's rights, you know, to get abortions and stuff like that. Um, I think it's very important. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like, um, I mean, the, 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 in, in that case, the, the, the traditional uh, conflict is between a often religious view, uh, of the state and the, the personal right of a person. And I'm always on the side of the person I, you know, not only because I, I'm not very interested in religion, but I feel like um, between the state imposing something and a person um, having a right, uh, having a right to choose what they'll do with their body is very important. And that that used to be special. That used to be a very left thing when I was younger. Now it seems to be a conservative thing um, because that goes both ways. Um, I am I am for women deciding they want to get an abortion and you know, they can do that. And whatever, whatever time in their pregnancy, I think it's, it's their right to choose. But with that goes that if, if I say I don't want a certain vaccination, that's my right, right? That's my body. That's my choice. It's the same exact thing. Um, but in, in, in these current times, um, left leaning people will often argue in the completely other direction. Right. It's um, they will argue that, um, you know, you should have the, the state should force vaccinate people that, you know, you, you should wear a mask when you go to a store, stuff like this, which is completely counter to personal freedom. That That, that is uh, that is the other way. That is like the state level, you know, the state deciding what is right for its people and enforcing that. And 
I am I'm I'm marveling. I can't get over this. I've been marveling over this for the whole, you know, all of this, I mean earlier than 2020, but but very much since like February. Um that that is now a progressive left position which you know if you if you're taking it back to socialism and, and communism of course um also makes sense if you think about it because that's that's the other other coin of of being of being left traditionally um you know as i said you know socialism is a um socialism doesn't care about individual rights you know it's it's a it puts the state over the people and i think realizing that is what put me at odds with with left um left ideas um i you know often these people are called progressive and it's it's that that's another dichotomy that i think is wrong like the 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 progressive uh conservative you know conservative being right and progressive being left I, in some things i'm very progressive um i'm very much pro science i'm 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 for um you know research you know gene uh, gene therapy stuff like that which often that's another thing then on the left that is um at least in germany you know the left and the progressive so in germany that's now not so much left as the green party which in some cases is very conservative but then it's completely against like any kind of gene research right but then suddenly there are four vaccinations with the vaccine which is basically changing your genome you know the 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 the, the, the vaccine they're talking about for for uh you know the current coronavirus thing is is basically uh putting as far as i understand how it works it's, it's hard to understand because it's 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 very experimental and uh, there's actually not that much published on it. But uh, basically, you put you put mRNA into your cells and you basically you're changing your own genome, right? But they're for that, and they even almost for force vaccinating people with that. But then they're against uh, genetically modified wheat, right? And you're like, I don't that that doesn't gel. And so what I'm trying to say is, yeah. These these alignments they shift, and I think as as the older I get, and part of me being this freedom oriented and conservative just means I I I want to break out of these party lines. I don't I don't I don't want to consider myself you know progressive or conservative or left or right or supporter of this party or supporter of that party, because I the older I get, the more re, the more I realize that all parties are wrong. And you need to pick and choose, right? You need to pick and choose with every single politician, with every single party. I mean, in the U.S. right now, you can see what what this partisanship, with this attachment to parties does, right? You can think about Donald Trump, whatever you want. But the fact that it is now Donald Trump, or literally, I don't care, let's paint a face on the backside of this goat and elect him president he's not Donald Trump, let's vote for the goat, right? Let's vote for the goat's, goat's ass. That's basically what it is. I mean, there's people, lots of people commenting in the US right now, they're like, yeah, I don't like Joe Biden, I don't think he should be president, but, you know, it's a choice between him and Donald Trump, so I'm going to vote for him. It's like, that tells you everything that's wrong with the system, right? Don't be attached to a party. Like, if... If your choice is Donald Trump and Joe Biden and you don't like Donald Trump, then, you know, maybe don't vote for Joe. Maybe it's neither of them. 
right? Maybe we need to break out of this whole thing. And in Germany, I mean, uh, to go back quickly to what Steve said with the alignments, um, in Germany, what happened is, so we traditionally had uh, a the, 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 the Labour Party, uh, the conservative, Christian conservatives, and the liberals. And the liberals are weird. They were like, they're not really liberals. Not as in, in what you would think lib- liberals are. They're not about freedom. They're basically just about freedom for big companies. They're, they're like an economic ec- economy party or whatever. But, you know, they, they lost um, they lost a lot of their uh, support and then they're nearly gone now. And then the um, both the Labour Party and the Conservatives went to the middle and fought for the middle, which basically killed the Labour Party. Now they're almost gone. And then you had the Green Party, which used to be in a, always in a coalition with the... Um, with the Labour Party, but now they're becoming the second strongest party, and they're displacing the Labour Party, and they're actually become they're, they're very very conservative. They're like the the, the 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 bourgeoisie party, except they have like some green things, right? Green energy and and stuff like that. And this system is just like I can't I can't I can't vote for any of those anymore because I mean the problem with the Green Party is they're they generally have some ideas which I would think are are good, uh, but then they're like, I would call them anti-science, right? They're actually they want to, you know, their their approach to, to to gene therapy is like they they don't understand they don't understand the issue. They're just against it, right? Their their approach to nuclear power is no nuclear power. There's not even a discussion. Which is like that's not like I used to be against nuclear power and I changed my mind a bit, but you know, one thing is because of you know climate change. But uh, they, they're just I think they're an anti-science, actively anti-science party because they don't have this discussion. Right? They always have these decisions and they they don't even they don't even entertain the, the discussion which is something i mean they're a party for the new age because that's what it seems to be like these days um you know in in science you can't just exclude something for the for for the benefit of just excluding it you can't just say okay i don't like this solution or i don't like this idea i don't like the idea of black holes let's not let's not even talk about that let's let's find another theory I don't like the idea of evolution. Uh, let's let's think about something else. That, that is not how it works. Um, but you know, that's I don't know. I'm, I'm getting into too much of a rant here, but yeah, I find I find this uh, this very interesting, and um, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting in Germany uh, when we have an election next year. Um, and it's probably going to be the same in Canada. It's definitely going to be interesting in the U.S. Um, but I, I just feel like um, the older I get and the more experience I get, you know, you get these things where you like, you used to always vote for the same party, used to be attached to them, and then you realize, no, they actually they make mistakes as well. And you, you're like, you grow attached to a certain politician and you like what they're doing, and you basically, the older I get, you figure out you get betrayed by everybody. So don't get attached to politicians. Don't trust them. Um, is my approach now my approach just like vote t- tactically every time basically but not on but you know not not in a way where the means 
the, the end justifies the means, right? Not in a way where like, okay, I technically I want to get rid of Donald Trump, which means I'm going to have at least four years of Joe Biden. Sometimes you're like, okay, that sometimes the only winning move is not to play, right? I used to be dead set against like not voting, um, but I don't feel like that anymore. I don't, you know, I, it, I think you need to look at every situation where you're in the country, you're in the parties you have, and you need to analyze it. And there might be a decision, there might be a point where not voting is actually the best move, right? And the last few times I actually voted for like a, a parody party because that feel like, the, like I just wanted to show the political establishment that I'm completely pissed off with them, that I cannot vote for any of these guys because all of them are deeply flawed and have deeply dumb ideas and I can't support them. So best way seemed to be to vote for a joke party. <laughs> And then, you know, you get criticized for that. <laughs> My dad hates that I did that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think it's don't exclude anything. Don't don't get too stuck into left, right, uh, socialism, capitalism, fascism. They're just labels. They're labels. Sometimes sometimes the, the labeled thing isn't as bad as you think it is, or it isn't actually what you think it is. And sometimes it's um it's actually bad and people think it's good it's just like try to break out of that look at the actual issues at at play and that's what i'm what i'm trying to do i don't know i don't know about you steve uh maybe you just want to write me another message and to continue this conversation because i find it fascinating anyway if you want to be part of this uh please contact me there's ways to, to do so uh obviously links it in the show notes i'm just gonna say it one more time private citizen dot press um so as not to bore all to death and that's it for the show i guess um the only thing that remains for me to say is i produced this show on the value for value model as pioneered by john c devorak and adam curry of the no agenda podcast which basically means um i provide value for you hopefully think about it if you derive value from it maybe you want to give some back you can do so by sending me show ideas like Jonathan has, not, has done um, sending me feedback like Steve and Fadi and also by providing monetary value like Johnson also does. So he's like a superhero <laughs> as far as the private citizen is concerned. Um, yeah, just think about doing that. I have a Patreon. Um, also, th that link's in the show notes. Um, you can also just send off, uh, send me a one-off uh, contribution to producers at fab.industries fab via PayPal. That is producers at fab.industries. Yeah, and uh, now's a good time to do so because I'm completely broke. I have a move coming up. It's it's horrible. <laughs> but I don't want to whinge uh, and beg you for money because that's not what this is about. This is about you thinking about the value derived from the show and becoming a producer in any way you want to. That's why I call them producers. Yes, I stole that from No Agenda as well, but I think it fits very well. Um, I took their formula, and I think Adam and John are okay with that. They actually promote that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and with that, I'd like to thank everybody who... Uh, who helped out, um, who was mentioned uh, so far. Well, some of these people have been mentioned before, but uh, I'd like to thank Raul Kabazadi, who uh, I licensed the theme uh, tune from that I use for the show. It's called Acoustic Roots. I love it. I'd like to thank ByteMark, uh, which is a great hosting company from the UK, 
bitemark.co.uk. Why do I know that they're great? Because they've been providing me for uh, about a decade with servers that I use to send you audio files uh, now uh, for the private citizen. And I mean, has, have, have you ever tried to download something off that server and it didn't work? Um, I don't think it it's great. That server just works and it's, it's providing uh, thousands of people people thousands of people jeez i need coffee haven't haven't done this you know skip a week and you get rusty or as jürgen kochner says in das boot kein muss ansetzen männer um yeah so it works it's great thanks to bindmark for that and uh with that I would just like to thank everybody who supported the show monetarily. Some of these people have been mentioned before. Uh, so thanks to Niall Donegan, Michael Mullen Jensen, Jonathan M. Heavy, that's Jonathan M.H., uh, Georges Walther, Dave Butterbeans, Mark Holland, uh, just nearly lost my place there, sorry. Dave Butterbeans, Mark Holland, Steve Hose, Shelby Kruver, Kai Sears, Vlad, Jackie Plage, I uh, 1I11G, Fadi Mansur, Philip Klostermann, IKN, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Matt Jalleman, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, David Potter, Dave Amrish, Mika, Waitautas Sadowskis, Ricky M, Drive Zero, Martin, Jonathan Edwards, Barry Williams, Sylvia Vulcan, SJ, and Richard Gilson. Thanks to all of you. I appreciate it a lot. And as you can tell, I can't read anymore, I can't talk anymore, so it's time to shut this whole thing down and I'll see you next week now that I'm back in the country I'm back at work um, there'll be another episode uh, next Wednesday until then stay free don't let them catch you and uh, always aim to misbehave <laughs>